A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 184. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Our Story Tuesday conversation is so packed and full of value that I just had to share it with you in two parts. In part one, Janice shares lessons she learned about following through as a key to success and systems that allow her to easily shelf and pick up projects so she can make headway on multiple projects at once. In part two, Janice and I are going to continue talking about principles for success, including what to do when a project or initiative hits a roadblock or gets stuck. We round out our conversation with her insightful answers for the couch round questions. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. Join me in welcoming Janice Lintz, trailblazing advocate and consultant, founder and CEO of Hearing Access and Innovations, the leading company with the mission of increasing accessibility for people with hearing loss. Welcome back, Janice. Thank you, Yishai, for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. And just by recap, on Insight Sunday, 
you shared your own story, your journey. We talked about your mindset, your process, and a couple of you know really brief highlights in case you haven't listened yet or you'd like a refresher. You know, one thing that came up, Janice, is that you shared how for you it was easier to change the world and lower your standards, especially when it came to your daughter and her future. And the way the doctor had told you there schools for kids who are special like her. And in your mind, it was like, she may be special, but not that kind of special, or we're not going to categorize her like that. Right. And I think that really speaks to the way that you are so passionate and how much you care and how much that's extended into your mission. So we talked about that and the mindset pieces and the drivers for those things and how you harnessed all of that to direct and create change in the world. So if you haven't yet go back and listen to our insight Sunday episode. And by way of just welcoming you back, thank you again for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch for Story Tuesday, where we dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons so we can all learn from them. So I want to ask about a memorable lesson that you had. Can you share one of your biggest learning experiences, bring us into that moment, what happened before, after, and maybe a key takeaway? I think one of the best lessons I've learned is called following up. And I think that one reason... People always ask me why I've been able to achieve such success. And I think it's because I follow up and I see it over and over. Most people don't. They may send mm. one email, maybe two, and then they just give away, give up. But I remember when I wanted to get a meeting with Vernon Jordan, the prominent civil rights activist, I had an email four times and he finally granted the meeting to me. And he said it was because I followed up enough but not too much to be in his face with appropriate intervals. And he said, he only grants meetings to people who follow up because if it's not worth your time, it's definitely not worth his time. Mm. And that was an incredible learning lesson from him because I worry as much as other people, you don't want to be a pest. You don't want to be a nudge, right? It's unseemly, but I find for the most part, it takes sometimes about four follow-ups for someone to respond when you have to get into eight times for someone to follow up, it's actually also insightful because if someone's not following up after eight times and I let them know it's the eighth request, there's something more there. And frankly, it's good to know that something more is there because there's a bigger problem than them not following up. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just one of the great lessons I've learned is to follow up. Yeah. I really appreciate that. That's so interesting to think about. And I think you pointed out some things. I want to almost put them all like a benchmark, right? You mentioned most people they'll, they'll reach out once they'll maybe follow up one or two more times. And what happens when people do that is oftentimes they don't really follow up further. And so they just kind of drop the ball. And it sounds like many people may, and I'll actually raise my hand and say, I often fall into this thought process. I'm like, oh, if the person didn't respond after one or two times, they're probably not interested. We just kind of give up, right? It reminds me of on Insight Sunday, we talked about resignation, right? And so that kind of following up one or two times. And then you mentioned that four times, following up four times often is the, I'll call it the sweet spot. And that's where, and I love that line you said, if it's not worth your time, it's not worth mine. So many people, if somebody reaches out to them once, you know, it's like, oh, well, you kind of care about that, but I'm not necessarily going to jump on this. And when the person follows up a few times, two, three, four times, once they get to four times, and as you said, without it being too intense, it's not four times in an hour or in a day or in a <laughs> I'm week. I'm not stalking that. Right? Right. Yeah. It's right. It's not 
too pushy or cajoling or being a pest, as you put it, right? Following up four times indicates, look, this is something that I'm willing to invest time in. And it communicates to the other person, look, I'm not just doing this for me. And I'm not just going to bail on this if I'm not getting exactly what I want, that I really care about this. And I think we can really get something done together. And maybe that has to do also with the way in which it's being communicated. But then I also heard on the other end, once you get to eight times, there's something else happening. And it's kind of recognizing that there is some form of resistance. Now, sometimes the person might be resistant or might not care. I know we had kind of briefly touched on that. Some people just don't care. On Insight Sunday, we mentioned. But it might also be that there's something else going on. It might be that for some other reason, maybe they've got something really big going on in their lives, or maybe there's something going on in their business, or maybe they're in the middle of working on something really intensely and it's the wrong quarter or it's the wrong month for them. And it might be that a different time frame is better, but ultimately if it's eight times and you're not getting anything, then it's an indicator that there's some other process at play, not just about you following up. And I just found that really interesting. It almost seemed to me not exactly like a normal curve, but a kind of like the spot or the position in which you're likely, if you push yourself to get more results is four times. And if you don't see results, you can continue persisting and you still get information. Persistence gives you information. It tells you about what's going on. Some of it is maybe that person really values their time, or some of it is maybe they just don't care. And often we don't have access to what that means, but even if you don't have access to what the other person is thinking, just paying attention to that, you can extract really useful information out of that. Yes, you can. And at least for my topic, I can't say this, but you know, if I'm not calling many times to sell something, uh-huh. there's stronger issues and they're not always good ones. And so, you know, I had one guy who didn't follow up because he was being ultimately indicted, right? <laughs> he was a little mm. busy. <laughs> so he had his own legal issues dealing with. Yeah, his own things. So mm. sometimes there's like some other issues that you have no idea that's at play. Follow up is so important. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, I mean, I have to say another one is from another great civil rights leader told me, you know, change doesn't happen without a struggle. And Mm. sometimes when you're implementing something that people don't want to do, make people uncomfortable, which is what he told me. He said, make people uncomfortable, you know, and that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like being in that Mm. position, but I've come to realize Yeah, it's going to get a little uncomfortable because it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you're not going to be very happy how it's going to Mm -hmm. necessarily, but it is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, a complaint will be filed. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of is back to Insight Sunday, just another reference to it. We talked about the system through which we create change or adapt. That adaptive system is actually our emotion system. The discomfort is a new awareness. It pushes for new analysis. It pushes for new action right? And that isn't the only way in which it can happen. Sometimes people get on board because they're excited or they are really passionate about something. They're really invested in it for whatever the reasons are, right? There are other ways in which change can happen, but ultimately change is going to happen by way of this system that needs to generate new awareness, needs to generate new analysis, needs to generate new action. And what I'm hearing is sometimes when people aren't necessarily being responsive in one way, it may be helpful or it may kickstart or push that process along to have uncomfortable emotions. One of the breaks we were talking about, or I shared with you that I don't believe a negative emotion exists, just an uncomfortable one. And that's because 
any emotion, any experience, any time our brain is generating an emotion, our body's generating an emotion. It is trying to create this new awareness, this new analysis, this new action. And so it's the purpose of that. And you can actually harness that. You can be intentional and say, look, if this person is not or this institution or this system is not shifting or changing, it's sticking with the status quo, then, well, we need to generate that new awareness. We need to generate that new analysis. We need to generate that new action. And asking how to do it, sometimes discomfort is the way. That doesn't make it negative. That doesn't mean that it's undesirable. Yes, agreed. And that's exactly what happens. I wanted to ask if there was a time where you found yourself really needing to shift and pivot and adapt how you approach your advocacy. Many times, you know, and that's where I think my travel has really come into play because when you travel, things never go a hundred percent perfect, right? It's impossible, Mm -hmm. especially now planes get canceled, things happen. And I think from learning from travel to pivot, right? Well, my last trip, I went to travel to India, but because I had been in Japan right before the pandemic, you know, when the borders shut, I suddenly couldn't go to India. Mm. I had to go back to find a hotel and reroute. And I ultimately rerouted through Singapore. That's really an analogy for everything, right? Mm. Suddenly you're in an airport, you find out you can't enter a country. What do you do? You pivot. Well, that's what you have to do with business. And I think my travels have helped me pivot easily in business. So one of the ways that I pivot is if I get stuck with a company or government agency, like in the last four years where I was, didn't want to make any dramatic changes because I was afraid of reversing all the hard work I previously did. Hmm. I just shifted from the U S governments to work with to international governments. Mm -hmm. And when I get stuck with one company, I will work on another company, you know, with my advocacy. So I will constantly shift if one thing's not working. And then eventually people leave, like her governor has left in New York. And so, yay, problems that were stuck in New York now could open up. So I'll repivot back to New York. But one of the ways that I do that, because it could be years between, is I maintain a phone log. And so whenever I start working on a particular project or, you know, with a particular company or government agency, I start a phone log documenting. And this is, I referenced in the other session that I used for the department interior. So this would be, let's say in that situation, national parks will be at the heading. I write down on the left, the date, then who I'm speaking with, summary of the conversation and the outcome. Hmm. And so I have a chronological summary of everything that I have done. Mm -hmm. And I may need to go back in and fill in with emails that I don't add to it because this is a phone log, but I will then, if I need to, if it becomes a problem, add in the emails. Mm -hmm. And so by having that summary, even if I leave a project for four years, I can now revert back to it because I know exactly what I was doing before. Because Mm -hmm. there's enough information that I know where to pick up. I'm like, great. I know who I spoke with. You know, people always say to you, like when you call a company, right? Even about a complaint with a product or they'll say, who'd you speak with? Most people have no idea who they spoke to last, right? I do. And what's interesting is when you can say, I spoke to this person on this date, people realize you're paying attention and keeping a log. And that kind of scares them a bit. As much Mm -hmm. as they ask that, When they ask that question, because they're assuming you have no idea, and Mm. then they can blame you for not knowing 
Because let's say you're calling your bank, right? Do you really pay attention for the most part? Who you spoke to last time on the phone when you're calling the 1-800 number and the date? No. So they could say, well, oh, we can't do anything because you don't know the date and the person to attribute it to. But if you could, right? I spoke on this person on that date. Suddenly they can pull that phone call because most calls now are taped or you can move projects forward and it's really helpful and people know you're paying attention. It really moves the needle much further very quickly. So you're talking about when sometimes you need to kind of set a project to the side because change isn't happening there or it kind of gets gridlocked in some way and you want to come back to it later and it might be years later that you come back to it. And what I'm hearing is it's way easier and you can find your way back much more quickly and make movement forward faster. And you don't have to start all over again if you leave a trail of breadcrumbs. And here's the trail of breadcrumbs, right? The trail of breadcrumbs is that log. That's what it's been for you is that log of who you spoke to, the date, the summary of the conversation and the outcome. And so when someone asks you, first of all, when you want to pick that trail back up, which, as you said, change is happening over time. And so people, institutions, systems, they're shifting all the time. And so if you get lodged somewhere in it, in a way, what I'm hearing is you've learned and seen over time that even if you get lodged in one area, you can say, all right, I'm going to put this down until it gets dislodged, which will happen when someone leaves or some change occurs there. And in the meantime, let me just leave my trail of breadcrumbs and then I'll go off over here and I'm going to go do work over here in an area that I don't get so stuck, that I'm not lodged in something, but that progress can happen. And it allows you to have multiple projects. And then if or when a change starts to happen or there's a dislodging happening, you have left your trail of breadcrumbs and each crumb there is intentional. It's information, it's data that will help lead you back and also will help you catch up whoever it is that you're going to then be connecting with. So you catch them up on everything. And so they get the whole trail of breadcrumbs as well. So it helps you stay organized. It also helps them get the benefit of all of this process. And you can more or less pick up where they left off or where you're getting dislodged. Exactly. And I recently had a project where this exactly happened, where I could literally working on a project to make the Smithsonian accessible. And I was able to catch up the person I was speaking with that didn't know the back history and Mm -hmm. literally tell them all the people I spoke with, everything that happened on each of the dates. And suddenly they were all caught up on the problem and they were able to move forward much faster Mm -hmm. because they didn't have to recalculate and refigure out. They had a better understanding of what was happening. And it was very, very insightful. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make. 
so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 